When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the vibe, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Running Off the Screen. I'm the man they call Mac, and I am joined today by a bevy of great guests. Um, we have the host of the Live by the Three podcast, Curly. We have a draft or NBA draft writer with the Raptors Republic, Brendan. And we have writer and content creator with Raptors Republic, among other things, Samson Folk. And what we're going to do today, we're going to offer you guys our views in the direction we feel the Raptors are going to go in the draft while putting you through our thought process. And with that, we're going to get right into it. Topic number one, you are tasked with drafting a player to the Raptors roster as currently constructed. And the following options are on the board for you. So you have A, a 6'4", three-level scoring guard. B, a 6'8", sharp sharp shooting forward, and C, a 7-foot defensive center. Now, all have similar rankings and, uh, I guess, similar impact in their respective traits. Which player would you draft and why? And I'll start with Samson. I'm taking the three-level scorer because if we look at the Raptors, and as great as Pascal is, written a lot of stuff about him. He's fantastic on NBA. Not even he is a three-level scorer. Fred is, you know, per pick-and-roll statistics, the least likely to score on a drive at the rim out of, like, every high-volume pick-and-roll player in the league. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. doesn't get to the rim. OG doesn't get enough volume at the rim, but does get there sometimes. They just, they don't have a guy who does it in all three areas. So I think that presence on the team would be just remarkably unique, even if it meant that they were kind of lacking in other areas especially we saw against Philadelphia with Precious and OG being seen as the release valves that couldn't just hit a three-point shot, but might extend that closeout and turn it into an advantage, whether it's a lay down to a guy in a dunker spot or getting to the rim themselves. Having even at 6'4", a guard who has a little bit of pop off the dribble to get to their own spot and plus also punish weak side tilted defenses and stuff like that, I think would be so, so valuable. It's just it's why I wanted Eric Gordon at uh, like the the trade deadline, right? Even though you know his his three point shot, you can get into conversation. But like, what is gravity really? You know, what is shooting reputation? But yeah, I think that would be the most valuable thing for me. Nice. And Brendan, do you agree with that? I I gotta agree because when you look at those three archetypes, I think the three level scorer is the most uncommon and. Like Samson said, the one that the Raptors have the biggest need for. He mentioned the Philly series where, you know, the players struggled to get a bucket. You look back at the Boston series uh, in the bubble and they took away uh, our transition. We couldn't buy anything in the half court. So having some level of three level scoring, uh, just some kind of relief 
for Pascal and Van Vliet when they're not on. I think that would be incredibly valuable. And if a player like that is available at 33, I don't know if there will be, but that would be my top choice for sure out of those options. And Curly, are you in that direction as well? I was leaning that way, but seeing that we are two for two with that, I'm going to go in a different direction now. <laughs> and I'm going to go with the 6'8 sharpshooter. I think it's a very necessary piece. We haven't had balanced shooting since the championship run. And then prior to that was during the Colangelo Sam Mitchell era. So I think, uh, you know, to Samson's point, you know, Pascal's not a three level scorer, but he's scoring inside and around the mid range. Scotty doesn't really have a perimeter shot. He's going inside. OG has a perimeter shot and then he's driving to the rim whenever he has the opportunity to. But what happens when those driving kick opportunities are not available? And who are you kicking it out to if we got guys in and out of the lineup? Having somebody that can knock down an outside shot and also be a threat to give the guys who are, you know, limited on the perimeter to give them the opportunity and the spacing that they need to operate in the post. You can do that with a 6'8 sharpshooter. And we all know if you're 6'8, you're going to have a long wingspan. So prototypical 3 and D type of player. Wow. <clears throat> Now, when I made this question, I, I had a feeling we would all have different options. And for me, I picked a defensive center. And the main reason I went in that direction is because I am, I'm not too confident in the price tag that is projected for these free agent centers that are available uh, this off season. Like if you're looking at Mo Bamba, Mitchell Robinson, Jalen Smith, Hartenstein, I feel like they're going to be a mini uh, bidding war in that case. And I don't think their price tag along with what role they're going to have with the Raptors would justify paying them the mid, the full mid-level, let's say. So that's why I would say you go for the safe defensive center at the second round, cheap price tag, fills a need, and then you go tackle that guard through a trade or through maybe free agency. I know Samson said Eric Gordon, he's still available there, so we never know. And uh, yeah, that's why I went with the center. The NBA draft is next week. Okay, so we all, with the 33rd pick, it's it's very difficult to to pinpoint who would be available. Like last year, there's only a couple of options with the four. So I would like to know your guys' rankings of who you guys think would be your top three options worthy of the Raptors' 33rd pick. And uh, we'll start with Brendan. Uh, okay, so there's a few guys that I have my eye on um, that I expect to be late first, early second guys. Uh, my first choice, who is my absolute number one one of my favorite guys in the draft is uh jake laravia from wake forest he's the six eight uh forward uh i think you could easily slot him in at both forward positions uh he's got six nine and a half wingspan so he's not the longest player but it, at least it's a plus there um really he's a jack of all trades so what he can do is he can cut to the rim one of the best cutters in the draft Uh, no, just knows where to be off ball. Uh, he didn't have the highest usage at Wake Forest, so that allowed him to kind of refine um, just being in a complementary role. Uh, his shooting, I think he shot about 38, 39%, uh, about four attempts a game. Uh, so he, it's clearly there for him. Uh, his form is really good. I would expect that to continue on. Uh, he's pretty efficient. He shot uh, almost 56% at the rim. 
Uh, so, like, <laughs> offensively, I have not a lot of concerns. He's not really a self-creator, but at this point in the draft, you're not really going to get anyone who can self-create like that. Uh, he's not the most athletic, but in spite of that, he can stay in front of his man. He's an elite team defender and would fit in seamlessly in a Nick Nurse system where guys are constantly switching. I think he would be able to switch pretty well uh, between the two forward positions and maybe even some small ball fives. Uh, but guards, if they're quick, might be a bit of a different story. Uh, at the end of the day, though, I think in spite of being a jack-of-all-trades player, they tend to get a little bit mischaracterized as having high floors, low ceilings. That's kind of a pattern I've noticed. I think Jake has that high floor, but I also think he has the ceiling of a very good player that can give you some quality starter minutes down the line. And so that's why he would be my number one pick there. Uh, I have um, two more guys that I've already written about actually for Raptors Republic as my next two. Jalen Williams from Arkansas and Andrew Nemhard from Gonzaga. So for the Raptors fans who are looking to address the need at the five, I think Jalen Williams is the guy just because in Nick Nurse's system, we saw a lot of success with uh, Marc Gasol because Marc Gasol was able to serve as a connective piece in the post, able to kick the ball out, knew where to find guys. I think Jalen Williams would be able to fill that role pretty well just because of his, he has pretty good court vision for a five. Uh, his defense is really good. Samson, you were talking with, um, I believe his name was Evan, about how he defends the rim like Kyle Lowry, and it's true. He's one of the best charge drawers in college basketball. He was uh, all defense in the SEC. Uh, I, you wouldn't expect him to put up gaudy block numbers, but just his presence alone is enough to deter shots and get guys to second guess about what they're going to do on drives because he's so adept at drawing charges. He's not much of a shooter yet, but I think he can get there just because he's got high level of feel, shoots decently from the free throw line, um, maybe a couple threes a game kind of player. But I think just because of how skilled he is and how high his basketball IQ and feel is, I think he would be the best option for Raptors fans who want us to go with a big man, uh, as opposed to more traditional like rim running bigs, maybe like uh, Coloco or Kamigate, just because I think that he would uh, make the offense more I don't know. You'd fit in the offense better in a Nick Nurse system is what I'm trying to get. At. And that playmaking from that position is just so valuable for a team that wants to just move the ball around. We don't really have a key playmaking guy. Like we have Fred, Pascal, Scotty, they all take turns. Um, but Jalen would just be another piece that would be able to kind of fit everything together on offense. And I really like his fit on the Raptors long-term. Uh, Andrew Nemhard from Gonzaga uh, I just think he's got all the tools to be a long-term uh, pro in the NBA. Uh, another guy who has high feel, high ball IQ. He improved pretty much every year he was in college, starting from Florida all the way to Gonzaga. I've been a fan of his since high school, and it's actually crazy how good of a shooter he's become. Uh, when you look at his high school tape to now, he's even starting to take uh, off the dribbles, uh, some degree of hezies. But his improvement over that time just makes me believe that he's going to keep improving in the league. And getting that backup point guard 
is also what I think the Raptors really need to take a look at just to get Fred some minutes off the court, get him some rest, make sure he's healthy in the second half of the season. Andrew Nemhart is a guy who I think could come in and fill that role pretty reliably. And he could also, with his shooting, could play with Fred as well. And his size, he's 6'5". So I think he would be a very valuable pick at that spot as well. That's interesting. Um, so so we all gave up on Flynn? Or... I was never in on Flynn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, have, I have receipts of that. I was never a fan of that pick. Yeah, that, think, that uh, being... Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I just think... He needs a, a bench big who can roll. And the Raptors haven't had like a good rolling big since JV. Like Mark and Serge both popped to different varying degrees of, you know, distance away from the hoop. But Flynn obviously needs a partner. And I don't know if a team wants to give him one. They might like be have their allegiances elsewhere. And the Raptors are just like, go isolate and create. And if you score good, but if you don't like hit the bench, which that's tough. He's, a, he's in a tough spot, man. It's even tougher because the Raptors don't have half-court offense. So how could he generate anything when you're kind of just throwing him in there and say, okay, figure it out. You know what I mean? There's no flow to it. And it's it's really tough. I, I think I think Tampa was like probably like the best worst thing to happen to him. He had the opportunity, but he also had the minutes to go along with it and the expectations were very low. So there was no pressure on him, but because he performed so well, I think the next season that, that followed after Tampa and we ended up with Scotty Barnes, I think it was just too much for him. And yeah, like Max said, that Bane pick. When I saw Malachi Flynn. <laughs> it hurts me every time. Oh, and that and Desmond Bane was still on the board. That, that, that one hurt. It hurt a lot. I was telling you, Curly, yes, was it yesterday or the, the other day? I was saying... Malachi Flynn just seems like he's going to have a career arc similar to Shapaz Napier. I don't know. Yeah, It just feels similar. He's going to bounce around, have his flashes, and then next thing you know, he's out of the league. I hope that's not the case. It just feels like that's the way it's going. It's, yeah, it was the other day, and it's definitely trending in that direction, unfortunately. Would would everybody here have a tweet saying they wanted Bane? <laughs> I bet everybody here probably prior... Wait, Brendan, you're, you're in My... draft. Did you want Bane? My three guys were Bane, Tillman, and Maladon. So and the same those, three. Yeah. <laughs> I, I and, and you know what? Bane and you know what? I would I would still take a shot at Maladon because he's only 20, 21. And he was looking pretty good at the, at the end of the year too. And he's like six five, six six two. So yeah, I'm I'm I don't want to get into it. I'll get salty again. <laughs> I, I was too upset to tweet. I just kind of like tossed my phone to the side and changed the channel. <laughs> So, Curly, your top three prospects. Well, I went the offensive route. Like, I think there's so much emphasis on defense. And I think gone are the days of great defensive-minded teams. Like, to me, great defense, you're scoring under 100 points or you're holding a team to 100 points. Now, great defense is everything over 100. So, I don't put that much value on being a strong defensive team. I do believe on being competitive on the defensive side of the ball, like the Warriors, for example, in comparison to Boston, Boston's a better defensive team. While the Warriors are not that great defensively, but they have the athletes, they have the players to make them competitive on defense. So they may not stop you, but you're going to have a hard time getting shots off. And that's where I went. I went with uh, athletic guards 
And my first pick is out of Nebraska, Bryce um, McGowans or McGowans. I'm not too sure how they pronounce his name. I've been trying to find the right pronunciation online. I'm not getting to. So, um, but 6'6", 180 pounds, a bit on the light side, but he has a 6'9 wingspan. Um, great finisher around the rim. He's just a bucket getter. Uh, comparisons have been... Chris Levert with better defense or for the old schoolers, Latrell Sprewell. And we all know who Latrell Sprewell was and he was a bucket getter. Uh, Bryce shot 40% from the field. Didn't shoot particularly well from three, but one thing that all three of my picks have in common is that all of them have the confidence to shoot. And I feel like sometimes that's kind of lacking in our offense that we just have guys that are reluctant to shoot. So having somebody that is confident and a shooter is a recipe for success. And he shot 83% from the free throw line. He can score almost three levels, kind of like what Samson was alluding to earlier with his pick. Get to the rim, get to the mid range, can shoot from the outside. Still needs a little bit of work. He's a bit turnover prone for, the, for every assist he has a turnover. And he struggles a bit against high motor guys. So there is there is room for growth but he's gonna have to have that opportunity so there's definitely gonna be some some growing pains but he could definitely benefit from putting on about 10 to 15 pounds of muscle to kind of deal with you know those high motor defensive guys and just the the more athletic defenders that we have in the league uh, my second pick I went with Max Christie out of Michigan State He's a uh, 6'5 guard, about 190 pounds, 6'8 uh, wingspan, so kind of fitting into that mold that the Raptors already have. Um, struggled as a freshman, but again, has that confidence. Kind of reminds me of uh, Rip Hamilton Jr., the way he just runs off screens, can hit from the outside, hit from the mid-range, uh, uses his length efficiently. Uh, knows how to avoid uh, pick and roll with a slender frame. He's able to either go over and under and still be competitive on the defensive side of the ball. He has a go-to move, and I'm not too fond of it. It's more like a spin, ar uh, spin around fadeaway. Uh, I, I don't know. He's able to hit it in both directions, but still nice to see that he has a go-to move. So when things get tough, at least he has something to rely on. And he has a great two-foot floater. The, the minute they rush him off the line, he's able to get into the paint and he has a, a decent floater. But again, lacks the size, lacks the strength. He does get bullied a little bit. Um, doesn't shoot very efficiently, but again, in the right system, same with Bryce and same with my last pick. Uh, like the Raptors, they could benefit from that. And also the Raptors can benefit from having guys that can again have the confidence to shoot from the outside but um definitely can benefit from some size and some strength so he has to get from uh get into the weight room and he has to work on his agility he has good lateral quickness but the whole change of pace he definitely could benefit from uh, a secondary burst and my last pick would be canadian boy caleb houston high school teammate of scotty barnes i love the idea of having another Canadian on Canada's team. 
Um, of course, why wouldn't you want to keep your future superstar, Scotty Barnes, happy by having a running mate that he's familiar with? Again, very similar to uh, Max Christie was a freshman, didn't shoot particularly well, but again, had the confidence, had 10 points, shot 38% from the excuse me, from the field, 35% from three and 78% from the free throw line. Um, just a lengthy three and D and has the confidence to, to shoot the ball. Unlike Christie, he doesn't uh, need the ball to dip below his waist in order to get a shot off. He can kind of do that Clay Thompson thing where he kind of catch and shoot above his head and just modify his release and his form in general. Uh, Great competitor on the defensive side of the ball, has great endurance, doesn't seem to get tired. But again, the efficiency is always a question mark. And again, a small guy, um, I do believe he's around 190 pounds, but a seven foot wings, wingspan, again, can be a three and D uh, player that we could definitely benefit from. And while these guys are not very good defensively, I feel that when you have some players that are specializing in something there has to be some sort of leeway so we've seen nick nurse in the past kind of run this team with a very short leash and i feel that when you have guys that have the ability to do something and can really benefit the team should give them a little bit of leeway but if they can stay competitive on the defensive side of the ball while shooting at a high clip I think it'll do wonders for the Raptors half-court offense and more particularly coming off the bench. Those are interesting picks. I, I think with Houston and Christie, I, I love their upside. But what worried me with them is that they're, I don't know if they had much production in their, their, their seasons, but they were highly touted high school players. So I think in the right system, they could really flourish. So Samson, who are your top three? First, Curly brought up the the no dip jumper, which I love, and and Anthony Morrow was also like an insane like catch of the year oh, and go yeah. straight up guy. Oh yeah, ridiculous. Um, yeah, I I was thinking about Houston, but I found out he pulled out of the combine, so I don't know if he has like a first a promise. promise yeah. Or yeah, that's. But also Patrick Baldwin Jr. Uh, Nineteen Milwaukee. <laughs> this is a fun one because if if you're a box score watcher. This is like it, your eyes will be blinded by how bad it was. I think he was 34% from the field, 26% from three. But he's still, if you ask him, he's going to say he's an elite shooter. Um, you watch the film. Raptors fans should be very well aware of watching a guy with limited athleticism get to his own spots and his own jumper in the form of Gary Trent Jr. He didn't get to the rim very often. And Gary Trent is more so about keeping guys on your hip, on your shoulder, establishing like that point of contact and then getting square for your jumper. Patrick Baldwin Jr. operates in a similar fashion and with a similar amount of fluidity, only he's like 6'9", 6'10". And so the numbers aren't there whatsoever, but there's a lot of tantalizing film on him. And as far as like the, the wiggle, the shimmy on ball stuff is really interesting. The passing, you know, you go through the film, there's some nice passes made, but I don't think it's a really... A really big deal he was supposed to be like a top five guy he had such a tough year in milwaukee at COVID. he had lingering ankle issues i think he only played 11 games and uh you know th there's been a couple questions about like you know his intensity his, his work level and all that kind of stuff but you know i i never question college kids who don't work hard because you're not even getting paid when you're one of the best <laughs> in the world already so like pat 
if you get to the league, he'll probably, you know, he'll bust his ass. He'll do his thing. So I think he's probably the the most intriguing upside swing. Uh, he was 12, six boards and uh, one and a half assists. That's kind of like where he was at. Alondis Williams is my next guy. He's 22. He transferred from the Oklahoma Sooners to, uh, oh yeah, yeah, Wake Forest to Chikoravi. Obviously, he got ACC Player of the Year. 18.5, 6.4, 5.2, 57 true shooting. He's one of those guys who was. I, I wonder if there's not that he's a comparison for Marcus Smart, but the way that Marcus Smart wasn't a shooter, but had that kind of willingness to get shots up. Uh, Alondes, he was over. He was north of four attempts per game, even though it was like 29 from three. The the form isn't exactly pretty, but I think that he's probably. And I've heard this from other scouts too he could contend for the best passer in the draft. And you you go through his reads when he's being blitzed, if he's being doubled, he's like, he's escape dribble, use the pivot, find the outlet. If he's manipulating the weak side to get a guy to like cut in and then get the, the corner shooter open. Like there's so many ways that he manipulates. That's really interesting. And I picked him because it's not entirely easy to draft good players in the second round. Like a lot of those... David Johnson, you know, he didn't have his passport. We didn't even know where he was when he got drafted. He popped up and then he was in the G League. I hope, I hope his career pops off for him, all that kind of stuff. But you never know what's going to happen with the second round pick. And having a guy who in Alondes who he immediately would bring, I think, a significant amount of athletic pop to the Raptors' backcourt. Now, this also probably means that Malachi Flynn, I would be looking to package and, and move or, you know, see if somebody else wanted to take him on as a second draft guy. But when we think about Alondis, this is a guy who can make plays out of the pick and roll. I would be very interested to see the Raptors try and develop his jumper because they've been, everybody has this idea of, we drafted Pascal, we drafted OG, and we made them into these types of players. But it was good scouting that identified that they could be made into those types of players. And we're seeing, you know, mitigating returns as far as trying to get off the bounce creation, off the bounce juice from some of these guys. They they got the jumper, but the off the bounce stuff. And Alondis has the off the bounce stuff. And I'd like to see them just work on the jumper with a guy, you know. I, we talked about with the three-level scoring. That's obviously not where he is right now, but... I'm imagining a guy who, like, the ball swings. Fred and Pascal both doubled at a top 10 frequency in the NBA this year. You punch that weak side, like, he can finish at the rim. He's a tremendous finisher at the rim. So that's mostly what I'm looking for from Alondis. The the defense probably is it's a pretty big question mark as far as, like, foot speed to hang with NBA guards. It, it's worth noting, obviously, because Nick Nurse wants to run his guards into the ground, obviously. It's a pretty big deal for him. Uh, and then for third, I had like David Roddy and Dom Barlow. Not not that I'm super, super in on either because once again, I'm not doing scouting like all year. So I, I have a really tough time creating the benchmark for what competition dictates. Okay, this stuff will translate. And with Dom Barlow, obviously at overtime, that was basically impossible. I'm watching this film and you think like there's a kid in high school out there or something that, right? You know, it's like you see like this 17-year-old and he's just beasting. He's like getting a pick, sealing him, just walking himself to the bucket. And you're like, I don't know if he could do that to, you know, like a, a big man in the NBA, for example. But he he's quite alluring as a guy who, you know, the length and the athleticism and the ball skills, if he puts it all together, he's got a funky three-point shot. 
some people think it'll translate, all that kind of stuff. And and David Roddy at 21 from Colorado State is also really interesting because, you know, the, the big body Johnson thing, like this guy who's just going to beast and feast going downhill, his dribble is way tighter than it deserves to be. He's way more athletic than he deserves to be. He's like 6'5", 250. I love watching guys like that drive. And there's just these monstrous, like he'll, he doesn't even have to get a guy behind his hip. You can be on his hip. You can be on his shoulder. He will drive you into the bucket. And uh, I think he shot 44% from three this year on yeah. between 3.5 and 4.2 attempts per game. I think it was somewhere in there. So there's a lot of like burgeoning offensive skills that would be uber valuable at the NBA level. The defense is where it gets maybe a little bit tougher. And, and I think it's fair to also question like, Strength creation is a thing that's viable in the NBA. We see Jalen Brunson do it, you know, at, at the playoff level even. But to wonder if he can dominate NBA players in a similar, sorry, in a similar fashion. But yeah, those, those two I find interesting. I know that's four technically, but I didn't really know how to parse through the last two together. Mac put me on David Roddy, and I'm a huge, huge fan. It'll be a big swing if they take him at the 33rd. I'm wondering if the Raptors can possibly... Uh, get another second round pick to kind of sneak in there and grab him. But I, I love the upside. I think Roddy kind of threads the fine line of high, uh, high risk, high reward type thing, uh, especially on the NBA side. But you just, I love guys that are workers. You know what I mean? And he's clearly a worker and you know, he's just going to buy in and, and look to give it his all. Um, he kind of reminds me of a PJ Tucker. You know, you're mm -hmm. talking about that foot speed and whatnot. P.J. Tucker is not the fastest guy. He's at 37 years old, but he's able to to stay in front of these guys just from a competitive standpoint. And and, and that has a lot to do with mindset. And, and to be a great defender, you have to have that mindset that I want this mindset. And I think David Roddy uh, kind of embodies that. But uh, yeah, I just want to say a quick piece. I'm a huge fan. So yeah, that, that's good. So David Roddy had a better or the same uh, three-quarter sprint time as Dyson Daniels for just to give people a comparison. And David Roddy oh, yeah. is 6'6", 261 pounds. And 260? He, he's two six, oh, he's two sixty. That's what he weighed so in at the combine. But so he's, he's a tight end. He's a tight end. He and the funny thing is in high school he played quarterback. And he was all state as a discus thrower. So He's a very supreme competitor, you know, so, and he had a max vert of 35.5 inches. So he couldn't, he can get up there too. He's explosive. So I, I, I like that pick of David Roddy. He was also seeker for Gryffindor too. Holy crap. What can't this guy do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's a, uh, I, I just, I asked around about him because I was like this tape is insane. Like his highlights are, they probably compare to some of the best in the draft. Like some of these, I don't know like, what... these dribble handoff keeper plays where he's turning the corner, kind of like what we saw from Scotty, obviously more portly. And also, <laughs> oh, Blake Murphy also messaged me. I almost picked Kenneth Lofton Jr., but he said, find the Alejandro Kirk um, comparison, but for oh. basketball. And so David Roddy <laughs> kind of fits that too. You know, it's like Bowser hits you over the head with the camera. You're like, you know, like, <laughs> I, I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't know what to make of Roddy just because he's he's very, even in college, very post-dominant. And even with his uh, size and shape, you would think like with his strength, he should still have some kind of advantage in the NBA. 
but against bigger guys who also have that NBA strength and multi-year experience defending the post, is he still going to be as effective from the inside at least? Mm -hmm. That's where I'm kind of questioning with David Roddy. The, the intersection of strength plus mobility is really, it's a fine line to walk, right? Like OG is strong enough that he was the Raptors' highest usage post player. And also because they hunt for mismatches, he wasn't having to go against like-sized guys. But when we think about strength with mobility, who's more likely to, you know, get a step on a guy and manipulate from, you know, using their strength here and the length of their steps and everything like that. That's what I'm interested in. Like Roddy putting the ball on the floor and then using strength rather than like static strength maybe and that, he, we, that we think about. And he improved his three-point shooting from 28% to 44 which is, that's a major jump in one year. Huge. So and I could I, only... I, yes, go ahead. Sorry, no, no, no. I was uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I, I wanted to mention that how underrated his passing is, especially from the mm-hmm. posts. Like the, like you said, like the, the, the handoff similar to what Scotty Barnes does or even kind of like what Draymond does. He, he has that kind of look and feel, um, which is definitely beneficial for the Raptors offense. It's, he's an intriguing peak for sure. You know what's very interesting? Like, again, I thought we we're going to... The only pick that um, is duplicated is Roddy. I picked Roddy as well in my top three. We all have different guys, but no one wanted to bring up Ryan Rollins. Do you guys know anything of Ryan Rollins from Toledo? I haven't seen any film. I'll be I, I think he's interesting as like a shooting scoring guard prospect. But um, when you bring up guys like, uh, I think... Bryce McGowan's uh, would probably be a better option in that similar archetype. Um, I like Caleb Houston. Sure, he didn't have much production at Michigan, but I would also be interested in seeing him over Ryan Rollins as well, mm-hmm. just due to his uh, size and shooting prowess. Rollins is actually he would be like a Jalen Harris kind of pick, where he can come in and be a microwave guy for you off the bench. The consistency is a question. The shot IQ is a question. He's not a crazy defender. So while I do see the, the scoring upside that he may be able to provide, I don't know if that really makes sense at 33. If the Raptors wanted to acquire another pick, maybe in the 40s or 50s, I wouldn't object to Ryan Rollins there at all. But I just think there's going to be some uh, better guys in this range. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, Brendan, I would like to hear your take on uh, Christian Coloco. Um, <laughs> so I mentioned before how I think, uh, a guy like Jalen Williams would be better just due to his higher basketball IQ and feel he would be able to fit in better on offense while also being a plus defender. Coloco obviously has the size and he was one of the best defenders in college basketball. So he would be a much better pick if we wanted to go for a very good defensive center. Uh, I don't think he's going to be much on offense other than, some guy who can get you putbacks. He was apparently shooting the lights out in the combine. I didn't watch much of his combine footage. He shot so 16, that, 16 of 25 from three, tied with Julian. That, yeah. that is ridiculous. Um, so maybe I need to take another look at him, uh, his shooting. But I think um, when you bring Coloco in, uh, you're pretty much looking for him to be somewhat similar to uh, like a playoff Biombo. Oh, Walker Kessler. Um, man, uh, I think he's a very good rim protector. I don't like his foot speed well enough where I'd be willing to pick him. Um, I think obviously he's still draftable, but I 
am very, very low being much more than a rim protector, if that makes sense, just from what I've watched. I don't know where you guys are on him, if you've watched him much at all, but um, for these uh, big, big men who have very slow foot speed, I'm, I, I just don't have a lot of faith in their defense long term in an NBA uh, scenario. That's tough. Yeah, it's it's tough. I think I think that's fair. Um, I, I love his defensive energy. I love his ability to finish around the rim. Um, he has very good awareness on the glass, which I think we can benefit from. But to take him at the thirty third pick, potentially, it's uh, I don't know. Who knows if he even gets drafted at all? He might be one of those undrafted. Uh, Siamese type of guy, depending um, just because of those limitations. But I mean, people were concerned about Valanciunas not saying he will be Valanciunas, but Valanciunas has turned it around and he's far more reliable from from a lateral standpoint. So if he commits to it, he, he might be a little bit better on that side, but not right now, in my opinion. And we're talking about Kessler, right? I think. Yeah, I yeah, think... yeah. Yeah. I think the Bucks or the Spurs might go for him late late in the first. Yeah, I've seen late first round buzz for him. Um, I, I'd be surprised if he went undrafted, but if he falls into the second, I could see him uh, pulling a Fred Van Vliet, maybe. Yeah, just saying, yeah, that's true. All right. So, last topic. Actually, oh yeah, you kind of covered Coloco and everything. My three people were Coloco, David Roddy, and Ryan Rollins before you guys uh, kind of stomped on Rollins. Um. <laughs> I didn't mean to. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you didn't go uh, Justin Lewis. Justin Lewis would be a great pick, um, but it was either him <clears throat> or Roddy. I wanted to go <clears throat> center, forward, and then guard. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I just like the. It's more intriguing with Roddy because Justin. We know Justin Lewis to me is like uh, another. Jay Crowder type, and I think I think with with Roddy it would, it would cause it would make more mismatches for us as opposed to getting Justin Lewis. He'll be like a mini OG for us. Mm-hmm. So that's why I didn't go in that direction. Uh, but again, the draft is next week. I want to know your guys' favorite all-time Raptors draft day memory, and I'll start with Curly. Oh, easily the '98 draft, VC man. Like, it, it was a very interesting time for me because um, I didn't watch much college ball, but my elementary school friend, his brother, was big into it. So anytime we go over, he's watching the NCAA while it's in season, and he was talking about Vince Carter on North Carolina and watching. I forget who he was going against. I think it might have been the game where he dunked on Tim Duncan. I'm not sure. I'm late for it. I'm not. I'm, I don't. I don't really recall. But when he got traded from from Golden State for Anton Jameson, I was jumping for joy because I knew we had somebody special, and you know the franchise was still starting out, and you know we lost Damon Stoudemire. So who was going to be that guy? I didn't know he was going to be that guy. I just loved the excitement he brought and the energy he brought at that time. And, you know, it wasn't a good farewell, but it's memories that, you know, inspired the next wave of Canadian talent. And I think that's something that we can't put a price on that 
the Carter effect was very real. And who knows what we would have been if we didn't get him and we ended up with Anton Jameson, would we have folded and, you know, we would have been the, the Las Vegas Raptors or, or whatever, you know what I mean? Um, but it would definitely have to be that. Um, I was trying to stay on the positive side and stay away from them drafting Chris Bosch instead of Dwayne Wade. But, you know, we're going to keep it, you know, PG. And, uh, yeah, I'll go with BC for sure. And Samson? That, uh, I just want to address Curly, like, saying how important it was Vince Carter when we think about the early marketing is, like, Anton Jameson, as good as a career he had, <laughs> them, like, the story is, like, okay, you can either have this guy who his dad put the hoop at the wrong height so he has, like, these cool little flip shots, or you can literally have the most athletic human being you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> and they're, like, we'll take the second guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll do the second one. Uh, my favorite one... It's probably more recent just because I found OG and I find OG to be a very captivating uh, presence uh, as far as like how he portrays himself in media being so much different than how he actually is. And uh, the fact that he's kept the bit up for like five years, but it introduced some like slang into the the ether because who is it? I can't remember who said like the Raptors got the sexy blogger pick, but then that became like this very popularized term. And OG was the sexy blogger pick. And so I think the fact that they uh, they brought that into like everybody's living vernacular was uh, pretty fun. And obviously OG is massively uh, fantastic for, you know, being picked that late. So, yeah, that's a pretty fun one for me. And uh, Brendan? Uh, I'm going to be a little cheeky and go and name two moments here. The first one is also OG, probably because he was... Um, my favorite prospect in that draft and i was over the moon when we got him um and like samson said just his whole demeanor him getting drafted i can't i've lost count of the amount of times i've gone on youtube and watched his draft selection just because it's so funny watching him stand up completely emotionless go to the stage shake silver's hand and then talk about how he's gonna go eat some cheesecake after so that is one of my favorite moments but another one that is it's notorious and you got to mention it is the when the Raptors drafted uh, Ross and the what about DeRozan man yeah, yeah. don't cheese me man <laughs> that guy oh man that one is I, I still laugh about that one so th- those two are my my favorite moments for sure funny story about that I went to school with that guy really? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> Well, my, yeah. my 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 um favorite memory kind of sparked my interest in the draft was the the t- 2009 draft when we drafted uh, DeRozan, and I think the previous two years we didn't have a first round pick. I think in 2007 Charlotte had our pick, and t- 2008 Roy Hibbert got traded when we picked him. Yeah. And I remember t- and I remember telling people who would care to listen, like maybe a month or two before, I'm like. The guy, they need to draft this guy named DeRozan from USC and no one like, gave a damn and then and long story short I go to my friend's house uh, we snuck some of his dad's beers out of his uh, I, I was legal age that kind of dates me but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah but the draft is going smooth and and then it, get, it gets to the sixth pick and it was the Timberwolves and they just picked uh, Rubio at five so I'm like oh shoot there's no way they're going to take another guard the other guards that are projected in the lottery are like um, 
uh, was it Flynn Curry, Flynn. Brandon Jennings, and uh, and then I'm like, okay, so it's either we're gonna take they're gonna take Jordan Hill or DeRozan, and when they took Johnny Flynn. I did like a triple H like spit out my beer. <laughs> I'm like, this is our chance. <laughs> and then yeah, lo and behold, we we end up taking him. And yeah, from that day on, I, I was so like hooked on analyzing mock drafts and studying prospects because I, I was so like on that one prospect and then to see us take him, it just made me feel great. And uh yeah, that's one of my favorite moments. I don't think I've had one of those yet. Like the, the payoff of like, this is my guy and he went to my team. I don't know if I've had one of those moments yet. I like McDaniels of Vassell and Bain a lot. And McDaniels was, and Bain sandwiched Malachi. Oh, <laughs> brutal. <laughs> Poor Malachi, he's getting dragged. <laughs> he's, he's doing his thing though. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Fine. No, Malachi slander pod right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else no <laughs> I, I i was pumped about the DeRozan pick for sure uh i didn't have a triple h moment but i was definitely off the couch and standing and and waiting to see where he was gonna fall and you know the the rest was history with him being a, a favorite and, and a martyr so to speak in our championship so uh gotta love DeRozan, man I was I was so high on DeRozan. Not I wasn't into the draft at that point in time. I wasn't really paying attention to it. But I remember when they went to play in London. Everybody here will probably remember that. And DeRozan was like the Europe NBA's leading scorer. Like nobody had scored more points in Europe than DeMar DeRozan. And I used to tell people that because there he had no other accolades at that point. I was like, you just wait. Nobody scored more points in Europe than this guy, even though the NBA is based in America and Canada. But you just wait. You know, I was like. Yeah. yeah. So, do, do you guys think that the Raptors are going to stay at 33? Just want to throw that out there. I do I do think so, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they if they purchased uh an additional second rounder either with cash or with I I I was doing a mailbag and I was looking through all the second round pick trades that weren't packaged because if you're going through all like the trades where they're packaged in, you can't do it. But like the swap trades a lot of times second round picks from previous years get packaged for second round picks in the current year so there there might be a guy like maybe even david johnson is a guy like another team really liked his tape with the 905 and they're they like david more than they like anybody left in the draft but the raptors like somebody in the draft so they swap those two or something like that so there's definitely a possibility i think that's pretty interesting i I would love to see two guys um out of this draft that would be pretty cool yeah, I definitely, I definitely see them. Sorry, I definitely see them getting another second round pick. Getting into the first round, I think it's unlikely unless there's something groundbreaking that we don't know about yet. But I definitely like the idea of them purchasing another uh, second round pick for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, I had um, I had mentioned before how it would be good to see them look at getting another pick in like the 40s or something like that, just to. Get another guy who maybe help them out on, on their depth. I did have a source tell me that they absolutely loved Laravia. So I think that would be interesting if they think Laravia might go in the late first. They might try and do what they can to move into the late first. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, Raptors usually play it pretty safe on draft night. They usually have a few guys they like and they're not too mad if they miss out on one guy because that means they have another guy that they like. So 
we'll we'll see what happens. Perfect. And um, I guess we can wrap it up. Uh, I'd like to thank you guys for joining me today, taking time out of your day to uh, talk some Raptors draft. And uh, you guys have any closing thoughts? Yeah. Uh, first things first, if you made this far, keep watching all of Max's stuff. The The look of his work is, uh, is not really... Uh, there, there isn't a comparison. I, I very rarely see um, videos as high quality as his. And the takes are also excellent as well. So if you can find a guy who's talking good hoops and the content looks good, which is actually pretty tough to find, you got to stick to it. So yeah, keep supporting Max work, I think. And uh, yeah, make sure to follow him on Twitter and all his socials and all that kind of stuff. Support the boy. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah, you. I'd like to echo that too. Uh, I've known Mac for a, a very long time and you know, he's he's been an inspiration in starting um, my podcast, uh, Live by the Three, uh, a Raptors podcast. So you can follow me on, on Instagram at live by the period number three. Um, you know, follow, like, comment. Uh, definitely do my best to try and provide a unique take. It's all on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, wherever you'll find your podcast. But, you know, Mac is one of the best and you know, to to be in the company of these three great gentlemen is a testament to what he's doing, what these guys are trying to accomplish. So, you know, the the season's exciting, and you know, you guys keep up the great work. And Mac, keep doing your thing, brother. We're rooting for you. Thank you. <laughs> and Brendan, uh, I was wondering, are, are are they doing a live show or a live reaction to the draft next week on Raptors Republic? Uh, I would imagine so. I haven't been uh, clued in about any of it, but um, I'd say keep an eye out because I think something like that's probably going to get announced. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. I haven't, if we seen, did that. I haven't seen Oren or Aiden or Sahal talk about it actually. That'd be I'm cool, like sure. like a live reaction, or maybe like at pick thirty, we go on to like go pick by pick. Or I don't know. It'd be cool to if, do that. If they aren't doing it, uh, I'll probably do one. But if I'll, I'll like I'll it, likely I'd be on. Yeah, yeah, won't. Yeah, whatever. I'm sure there'll be something. <laughs> Whatever's going on, I'll probably be on there uh, giving my thoughts. So um, I got a uh, couple pieces coming out next week with some more prospect highlights. The Ravia is one of them. Uh, probably look at a couple other guys who we didn't really talk about here today. So yeah, just keep an eye out for that on Raptors Republic. Uh, my Twitter is at uh, BrendanPS97. Uh, I talk about the draft and the Raptors on there as well. So anyone interested, feel free to come through. Oh, actually... Very sorry. I got a hijack. I'll be on uh what the I'll be on the William Liu, the Raptor show with William Liu at two PM Eastern on Monday. But without Will Liu, uh, Blake is hosting. So if anybody wants to tune in, I think we'll be talking draft stuff plus final stuff if anybody's interested. But yeah. That's that's it for me. <laughs> cool. Perfect. And awesome. yeah. Just please remember to like, subscribe, and raise the vibe. Peace. <laughs>